I'd like to welcome everybody back to the Nova Society. And this week, our podcast is going to be a little bit different for the next 10 or 15 minutes as uh, Brooklyn is out with the flu. So we thought that this would be a great opportunity for us to go over some of the emails we received from our listeners as they relate to season number two and uh, just be able to respond to some of them. So our first one is from Kelsey, who is from St. Louis, Missouri, and she writes, I like the new format change. I like the conversational approach and hope that you continue to use this format in the future. My second question is, is when will Dr. Gershwer and things that keep me up at night be returning? All right, Kelsey. So I, I really appreciate the fact, I, I know we all appreciate the fact that that you're enjoying the new format change. And we just got some good news just the other day. Our metrics are measured by PodKite. And on Apple Podcasts, the Nova Society is ranked 192 out of 1,521 social political podcasts that they cover. So that that really was was kind of a an exciting metric for us to get. We hope that that will continue to grow. Our numbers, uh, as far as subscriber numbers, have also increased. So we think that the shorter conversational approach and that kind of format does work a lot better. And I, I we're happy that you're enjoying it. We hope other people are as well. So when will things keep me up at night be returning? Well, that all depends on how quickly myself and Dr. Gershwer can work out a schedule together because I know he enjoyed it. I know I enjoyed it. And I know that was an extremely popular segment in our first uh, season. So we hope to get uh, Dr. Gershwer back. We've also had some of our other colleagues reach out to us and express an interest on coming on to the program and also doing something quite similar to things that keep me up at night. The other thing I would I would point out is, is that pretty much everything that we discuss uh, so far in the first season are all the things that keep myself and Brooklyn up at night. Uh, it's not just uh, the things that are in the news. It is also those things that that really concern us sometimes when you hear about them in the news. Although it, the podcast is called the Nova Society podcast, it really could be called the Things That Keep Me Up at Night podcast. So again, we will let you know when uh, when we can schedule on Dr. Gershwer. I know he enjoys it. I enjoy it. And I know that our listeners uh, to the podcast enjoyed it as well. So we will keep you updated on that. All right. Our second email is from Robert from San Antonio, Texas. Very nice place, San Antonio. Spent uh, spent about two weeks down there. A really great place to be. And the weather was, the weather was fantastic. His email is in regards to legal issues at Fox. Robert writes, I have friends who won't believe the stories about Fox News. Any suggestions on how to get them to see the truth? Well, Robert... <laughs> That'll be a little hard. I'm not even going to deny it. That's going to be a really hard, a hard sell because Fox News, as of right now, is not putting this story on their network. So if, if your friends only watch Fox News, they're not going to get this story. And that is concerning in itself. I think the only thing that might change some people's minds is if the lawsuit progresses and Fox is found financially liable for some of the stories that they put out. However, if you're only going to watch Fox News, you're probably not going to hear a lot about that either. It's one of those those kind of issues where if they're in the echo chamber and they won't leave the echo chamber, they cannot see the world around them. You cannot do battle against this with logic because logic will never work. So it's an interesting phenomenon that we have here, but it's a phenomenon that has grown over the past 
five, six years. And the idea of getting out of those echo chambers for many people is going to be extremely difficult. If somebody was going to come out of the cult mentality or come out that echo chamber that they resided in, they had to do it themselves and they had to do it consciously by themselves. They cannot be talked into it by anyone else. Uh, that they have to, they have to emerge from this, and they have to emerge from it of their own accord. And I truly believe that that's um, that is that is very very true. So we can hope that the truth will win out, of course. But no matter what happens, and I think we made mention of this in the podcast itself. No matter what happens in the court findings or the court case as it deals with Dominion and with uh, with Fox News, no matter how many times the other networks put out there, the text messages between Tucker Carlson and, and more have come out since we actually put we put out the episode where Tucker Carlson's now saying he he passionately hated Trump, that he totally did not believe anything. Even though these are coming out on other networks. You're not going to hear about it on Fox. So those, therefore, somebody that is only tuned into Fox is not going to know about it. And if they hear about it from somebody else, they're going to go back to the old, the old standby of, well, this is nothing but fake news. Because Tucker Carlson isn't admitting it himself. If you're a Fox News watcher, I guess the only real hope that somebody from outside that echo chamber can have is that Sean Hannity and Laura Ingram and Tucker Carlson on their show at one point in time with their audiences watching say, we lied to you. And until that happens, and I do not see that happening, I really do not see that as as, a, as something that is even viable for them to do. Until that happens, I, I really don't think there's really much that you can do to change any that anybody's mind or make them see what the truth is. So that would be my, my opinion onto that one. All right. So next we got Stanley from Rochester, Minnesota, and his email is regards to our CPAC, our CPAC segment. Uh, do you think CPAC is done? I hear they're losing a lot of financial support. Are there other venues that could replace CPAC? Well, Stanley, uh, there are other venues. I mean, there's some smaller venues. CPAC was always the big one, was, was always the big conservative platform that pretty much everybody went to. As we mentioned in the, in the podcast, it was very telling of who, not so much as who was there, as much as who wasn't there. Uh, there were a lot of the, the, the people that you would normally see as guests on CPAC that basically did, you know, decided to, to skip it. So you can also see where, in CPAC, this time around, there was only a certain group. The MAGA group was there. CPAC in the past was where all these different groups within the conservative movement, and there are a lot of different groups within that conservative movement that consider themselves conservative. They would come together, and this is, this is where they hashed out their differences and could come to an agreement on a platform. They may not get everything they wanted. They were not going to be zero sum. You're not always going to get everything that you want. And CPAC, just like pretty much every other kind of group, understood that. This time around, not so much the case. This is a zero sum CPAC. Now, you ask, can they survive? I don't know. This is one of those questions I have no idea. It really all comes down to, is CPAC willing to go back to its old model? Because when it would go back to its old model, I think that was very effective. It was a great place for all those different conservative factions to come together and to, as I say, work out 
the differences in ideology that may have and find some common ground and candidates that they could get behind. That was not the case of this of this time at CPAC. Will they will they survive again? I, I honestly can't say. And it's just I think that's up in the air. All depends on what they do going forward. I think a lot of that will really depend on this next election cycle going into 2024 as to what CPAC reinvents itself as, if they are going to reinvent themselves or if they're just going to be the MAGA uh, platform. If they intend to stay as the MAGA platform, I probably they will continue to lose financial support. Let's, let's remember, financial support only supports what they think can win. And I don't think they think that the that the MAG movement can go any farther than it's already gone. Uh, they've already seen that uh, the MAG movement loses general elections. Yes, it's very popular within its own little group, but once you leave that group, they're not nearly as popular. So, whether or not they'll they'll continue to bleed support, I would say they will until such time as either they they do a complete reboot or they they make a decision as to exactly what they want to be, if they want to go back to what they were, or if they want to try to continue down the path. But if they decide to continue down the path, yes, there are other venues out there that can replace CPAC very easily. And I'm sure these other venues were really, I I guess I'll call them the C team as compared to CPAC, which was the A team. These guys, I, I think these other venues are kind of looking at this and saying, hey, here's our opportunity. And I think that they're going to try to fill that void. Will there be a place for conservative voices? Yes, there will be. I hope there will be. I truly hope there will be. And I hope it is that kind of environment where all these different groups can get together, hash out their differences, and come up with a legitimate conservative ideology way forward. And I think that's what makes a a very strong conservative movement and a very strong Republican party. So I think the the Republican party will probably have an an awful lot to say about that uh, in the coming months. All right. So our last one is going to be from Shirley from Reno, Nevada, Reno, Nevada. I played golf in Reno one time and Shirley writes is book banning nationwide. I haven't heard anything in my area. Well, thanks for the question, Shirley. Is it nationwide? No, it is very local. I mean, if you're looking for something that's a, you know, a, a national ban of a book, you're not going to find that. This is where it's it's localities. It is certain school districts. It is certain county libraries. This is where this is happening. Does it make it any less concerning that it's in it's in smaller venues as compared to a nationwide? Actually, no, because this is where these things start. They start in that grassroots. So, no, it's not less concerning. I'm glad to hear that you haven't heard anything in Reno, Nevada. I have not. I live in South Carolina, and I have not heard of anything in the area of South Carolina for where where I live. It's not even a statewide thing, except maybe Florida. Florida, I think it may be becoming more of a statewide thing. But again, it starts... It starts at the very local level. These, This is something that begins grassroots and then advances into a nationwide movement. So, uh, again, I'm very happy to hear that you, that you haven't heard of it. I'm really happy to hear that it's not happening in my area of South Carolina. And be honest with you, I can't. I think there's maybe only one area in South Carolina that I've actually read about that is looking at, uh, at doing this, uh, banning some books. But it's an important story nonetheless. 
because anybody that understands how these things progress, they do understand that they progress from these small local grassroots movements and then they advance. So they go from a school district to a county, to an area of a state, to the full state, and then from one state to another. And it's a progression. So hopefully it'll stay very local. Hopefully it won't grow any more than it is. My concern again is is Florida at this at this point in time. The governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, seems to be really on board with this. He seems to be really promoting it heavy. That is a, a very huge concern. It is not nationwide, but it is something that everyone should be keep their eye on and, and be aware of because these things don't just happen overnight. They happen very slowly. They progress over time. This is something that is important. It is something we should keep a a very close eye on. It isn't something the federal government proposing at all, but it is something that in your community is something that you should really keep an eye on. And if it begins in your community, you have to address it. If you feel strongly against it, you have to address it at that grassroots level so that it does not get the momentum to, to be able to move into into the larger decision makers of the area that you live. So that is all the time we have uh, for emails. We really appreciate it. Again, if you have a question, if you have a comment, or if you have a topic that you would like to be a guest on the Nova Society podcast, please, you could reach us at nova.society.podcast at gmail.com. So you keep those emails coming. Hopefully, Brooklyn will be back with us in the next episode. Hopefully, she'll be recovering from the flu. So we wish her all the best. And remember, power of society is knowledge. We hope to see you next time.